On today's episode of Locked On Mets, we're going to put some damn respect on Francisco Lindor's name. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Francisco Lindor has been putting together a great season this year, and we're going to discuss that on today's show in the first segment. I want to break down why he has been the best shortstop in baseball, though there's a little bit of a caveat to that that we'll go through in that first segment. In the second segment, I want to talk about the investment the Mets made in Francisco Lindor and why it's been the best one of the Steve Cohen era. Then in the final segment, we will discuss the Mets game against the Braves where they lost by a very narrow margin. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FickelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor, and where I wrote a piece on Francisco Lindor today titled, Francisco Lindor is the best investment that Steve Cohen has made. And the reason why I wanted to write this article is because as we look at the Steve Cohen era, there's been a lot of big signings, big trades, big splashy things that have happened. But it's the first blockbuster move that was made that is still proven to be the best because I, I don't look around and see Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander on this team anymore. As much as you can like some of the other moves or trades that have been made, the one that has proven to be the best so far is Francisco Lindor. The Mets give him $341 million. That's $34.1 million a season to play like the best shortstop in baseball. And guess what? We're sitting here at the end of August and going into play today. Francisco Lindor was leading all shortstops in Major League Baseball in F4. Now, F4 is Fangrass wins above replacement. It is the statistic that is used to best measure a player's value to their team. Who is bringing the most wins to their ball club? And a lot of times, the MVP is voted on based on the F4 or the baseball reference war leaderboards that that's where people look to to find the value and haters can knock Lindor for a batting average or uh, what they perceive as some of his deficiencies just when it comes to his offensive profile but year in year out what this guy does is he puts up more war than any other shortstop he proves to be more valuable than everyone there's a lot of components that go into that that I want to talk about on the show today, but before we get into why Lindor is the best in his position, there is a caveat that I need to get out of the way first. And that's that Francisco Lindor is the best shortstop in major league baseball, not named Corey Seager, but Corey Seager has to be healthy to earn that title and that distinction through 82 games played this year. Corey Seager has been unbelievable. He's hitting 341. This was going into play tonight. 409 on base, 652 slug, a 186 WRC plus. WRC plus is weighted runs created plus, measures hitters based on a league average of 100. So it's an offensive stat that compares people based on that league average. And for Seager, he's been 86% better than your league average hitter. He has the same amount of home runs as Lindor, 
while playing you know over 40 less games. He's driven in just four less runs. He's been amazing. And his F4 going into the day was 0.2 behind Lindor. So he was right there with a lot less games played. For a given game, I am not going to tell you that I'd rather have Francisco Lindor than Corey Seager because Seager has proven that he's the best shortstop in baseball when on the field. And you know what? He might be the best overall player in baseball when on the field, at least as this season has gone. But there's still a separator when it comes to these two guys, and it's just durability. They both debuted in 2015. Granted, Lindor was earlier in that season than Seager, but Still, you look at what they've done up to this point in their careers, and Lindor leads all shortstops since his debut with a 47.1 F4. He has 206 home runs in his career. Seager trails behind in both categories. He's about 16 wins less across his career at 31.2 and 160 home runs, so nearly 50 less. Why is that? Because Francisco Lindor has played over 300 more games than Corey Seager. Seager went into play today 25 hits away from the 1,000 career hit mark. Lindor got that in his final game of the 2021 season. So he is just so far ahead based on the fact that he's there day in and day out. That durability is key. But when you add in the durability and the glove, and then also you throw in the offensive prowess, that's where Lindor becomes the best shortstop in baseball because you can count on him. And that's why it was such a great investment by the Mets. Now, the beginning of this year, Lindor picked up more critics or the critics that have been there since his down 2021 season resurfaced because he starts the year through 60 games. He hit 213, 284 on base, 404 slug, getting 91 WRC plus through 60 games. Now, I will say that he had 10 home runs and he drove in 40 runs. And if you think about that over a full season, you know, still trending towards 25 homers and 100 driven in, which from your shortstop with good defense, that alone is still a quality above average player. But he needed to improve that average. He needed to improve that on-base percentage and even the slug. Well, now over his past 64 games played, that's excluding tonight, which would have been 65 games played since June 6th, where everything clicked for him. Francisco Lindor hitting 295, 385 on base, 534 slug with a 154 WRC plus. So now 54% better than your league average hitter. Earlier in the season, he was striking out 23.4% of the time. Lately, over these last 64 games, that strikeout rate has dropped to 18.4%, while his walk rate has climbed from 7.3 to 11.7. He is just giving much better at bats. He's in a rhythm. And he has just put together a really quality year. And when you combine the slow start with this hot finish he's been on, put it all together. He's hitting 254 on the season, 335 on base, 469 slug, a 123 WRC plus, 23% better than your league average hitter. You compare it to last year, his OPS last season was 788. This year it's 804. He's been slightly better offensively this season than he was last season. And last season, he put up a near seven-win year. Now, he has 23 home runs, uh, 21 stolen bases, although I think he swiped a bag tonight, so that brings that up to 22. Got a legit chance to post a 30-30 season, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, while playing gold glove defense. Mendor is second among MLB shortstop and home runs and RBIs 
Bobby Witt Jr. had him by two in both categories going into the day, but still really impressive to uh, be sitting at, I think it was 78 RBIs and to have those 23 home runs. And he scored 81 runs more than any other shortstop in baseball. And again, leading the league in F4 at 5.1 while ranking sixth in both stolen bases and WRC+. In a game where every player is graded and eventually paid based on their F4, how many wins they can bring in their ball club, Francisco Lindor has been a model of consistency and has outperformed a lot of these other guys that have signed these big money deals at the shortstop position. And that's what I want to get to next, how Francisco Lindor is more than living up to the contract and how despite being paid more than all of them, I don't know if there's another shortstop contract I would take right now in all of baseball over Lindor's, which is why it's the best investment that Steve Cohen has made. We'll discuss that more in just a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The New York Mets play the Atlanta Braves at 7.20 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now, living up to a $341 million contract is not easy. And I think Francisco Lindor felt the weight of that in his first season where he struggled a ton out of the gate and really just couldn't get his footing. But he eventually did put up a four-win season, which was solid, and That first year wasn't technically in this contract. The contract began in 2022. That's when the $341 million window started. 10 years, $34.1 million per season that this man's making to be the shortstop of the New York Mets. And it was a decision the Mets made because they hadn't had a good shortstop since the early days of Jose Reyes. And they needed to get that guy. And the crazy thing is, They had a lot of different guys they could have gone to to fill that role. All of those shortstops were coming up in that first free agent class. Lindor is supposed to be part of it. Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Javi Baez, Marcus Simeon technically as well. There was a lot of options on the table. The Mets, they make a trade for Lindor, and they don't waste any time. They extend him. Now, had they not extended him, who knows? Maybe you get him for a little bit of a discount. But you know what? You had to pay that price. If you're going to make that trade, you had to sign to that contract. The price tag was set at $341 million because Fernando Tatis Jr. got $340 from the Padres. And Lindor, based on the fact that he had led all of Major League Baseball and wins above replacement at the shortstop position since his debut, wanted to be the highest-paid shortstop in the game, and he got the contract. And still, to this day, no one has topped it. Carlos Correa, 
topped the average annual value on what was essentially a one-year deal in 2022. But now he's on a six-year deal that pays him $33.3 million a season. Lindor's making 34.1 higher than Correa on a longer deal. And the total value has yet to be touched. Lindor is still the best paid shortstop in baseball. But he's also played like the best shortstop in baseball on the first two years of this contract. He is leading all MLB shortstops since 2022 in F4 with 11.9 wins above replacement. Second best has been Dansby Swanson at 10.4. Third best, Corey Seager at 9.4. Fourth, Xander Bogarts at 8.7. Then you have Trey Turner to round out that top five. All those guys just got paid over the last couple of years. Lindor leads all shortstops during that period in runs scored and RBIs, two pretty important stats. Um, yes, they're in some respects team stats. You need guys to drive you into score runs, and you need guys on base to drive in to have those RBIs. But it's still impressive to see him put up these big numbers in both the run department and RBI departments over the last couple of years. And he's been in the top five in home runs with 49, as well as in WRC plus at 125, so 25% better than a league average hitter. And most importantly, he's played in 285 games more than any other shortstop. He's only missed three games in the past two seasons. I believe one of them might have been for the birth of his second daughter. Um, there was one for banging his finger in a hotel door. And I think he had a, a little bit of an injury the other day. Um, but the guy goes out there and he plays every day. You combine that steady offensive production with the durability factor. And then we can't forget the glove and we take that for granted. When you are just following box scores and you're following stats and you're looking at the batting average throughout the year and, and maybe the OPS, whatever your favorite you know barometer is to evaluate the players on the Mets as, as a diehard fan, and you're looking at it, you're, you're following along with the season. Sometimes a big thing that gets lost in the translation is watching this man play defense. But if you are tuning into these games and watching every pitch and seeing each of these innings and how they go, this team would be so much worse, as bad as they've been this year, if Lindor wasn't playing shortstop. Do you not remember what it looked like when you had his Drupal Cabrera at shortstop where, hey, you hit a ball at him, he's going to make the play. But good luck you know, having him make a play to his right or his left or coming in on a ball. Or Wilmer Flores was your starting shortstop on a World Series team. The defense is important, and no one is a better defender than Francisco Lindor. He leads all MLB defenders over the last three seasons as he's been with the Mets in outs above average, 44 outs above average. He currently ranks in the 98th percentile this season in outs above average with 11. Since outs above average was first uh, you know, categorizes the stats since they first started tracking this in 2016. Francisco Lindor is pacing the entire league with 125 outs above average. Second best on the list, Nolan Arenado. No surprise there. One of the best defenders in baseball. At times people call him the best defender in baseball. He is a wizard at third base. How many outs above average does he have compared to Lindor? 95. So Lindor has been 30 outs above average better over that time period. It's a long time period, but it just shows you year over year, this guy brings a gold glove to shortstop, whether he wins the award or not. And I certainly think he should take home some hardware this season, whether that's a gold glove, 
the Silver Slugger, or both. You can call in a given season Fernando Tatis Jr. the best shortstop in baseball when he was playing the position. Carlos Correa had a moment in the sun, as has Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, Corey Seager this year. Yet when you zoom out and you look at the position year over year, Lindor's name's always atop the list. Since coming to the Mets, who leads all shortstops in F4? Lindor. And when you look at the investment made in him and the other contracts given out, you got Lindor at $341 million over 10 years, Seager $325 million. So would you pay $16 more million over a 10-year span? So per year, it's only $1.6 million more for the guy that you can pencil into 160 games. That's the way I look at it. Now, hey, if someone wants to say that they'd want to take Seager based on the season he's had, I get it. But over 10 years, we'll see who's more valuable. We'll see who gets out on the field. Both of them are 29 years old. Both of them have eight years left on the deal beyond this season. Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts both signed 11-year contracts this offseason. Uh, for Turner's getting paid $27.27 million per $300 million over 11 years. Xander, it's two eighty over 11 $25.45 million. Xander Bogarts probably won't be a shortstop next year. So that they're going to move him off the position. Trey Turner has had a abysmal season trying to live up to that contract. I think Trey Turner is much better than what he's played like this year, and we've seen it lately. But I look at those deals, and there's 10 years left on both of them after this season. you got to pay Trey Turner until he's 40 years old, a guy who's had a game that's been predicated on speed. Xander Bogarts. He'll be 41 when that deal ends. You look at Lindor, he's going to be 37 at the end of his contract. That's it. Now, Correa, injury question. Kind of set that one off the side. Not to mention, hasn't played well this year. Dansby Swanson's maybe the only contract in baseball that I would think about taking. Well, it's either Seager or Swanson. Seager because if he's on the field, he's better. Swanson because it's just so much less money. And a shorter deal. There's only six years left for Swanson. He's 29 years old. You're paying for just his prime. That's a really good contract that the Cubs signed him to. $25.29 million per. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. But Lindor's still the better player. And because of that, when you think about every single penny that Steve Cohen has paid since taking over the New York Mets, it's the biggest contract that he gave that has proven to be the best one and the one that moving forward you have the most faith in. You have more faith that Brendan Hill is going to be awesome over the next seven years beyond this season or that Lindor is going to be a solid, above-average starting shortstop for the next eight. My money is on Lindor. Lindor or Edwin Diaz, a starting shortstop or a closer, no question. Kodas saying a great deal, he could bounce in two years. So Lindor, to me, bar none, the best investment this franchise has made under Steve Cohen. And fans need to learn how to appreciate him because he deserves that at this point. He's played his heart out the last couple of years. If you haven't seen it, you haven't been paying attention. That's enough on Lindor, though. The Mets did play the Braves, and it was a close game. I want to discuss that in the next segment. Uh, Before we do, another word from our sponsors. The New York Mets play the Atlanta Braves again at 7.20 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch in the Mets' hometown broadcast. 
with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now, the Mets end up losing game two in their series against the Braves by a score of three to two. Solid game, though. I mean, look, the Mets are playing uh, up to their competition, which I did not expect to happen to win the first game in blowout fashion to be within a run of the Braves in this one. It was a good game. I enjoyed watching it. Tyler McGill pitched pretty well. He did give up eight hits, did walk two, but he struck out five and nearly made it through the fifth inning. Got so close. Again, starter goes four and two thirds for the Mets, but you'll take it. You'll take it. It was a pretty good outing. Ozuna has killed the Mets in this series, two run homer. Uh, that that hurt. Um, and, and McGill gave up another in the fifth, but again, pretty solid performance by him in the bullpen behind him. Uh, the lefty Kolarik, who has just come out of nowhere, Adam Kolarik, man, he's looked great, and particularly in this outing. I mean, he had the Braves baffled. Got six outs, two strikeouts, one walk, no hits. Reed Garrett showed some good stuff. Um, Brooks Raley gotten out. The Mets bullpen did not falter at all. The offense just didn't put up any runs. Bryce Elder. Had a great start against the Mets. He went five and a third, allowed just two hits, walked three, only one run uh, allowed against him. Um, That was a a runner that he left on base before the Braves went to the bullpen. And Daniel Vogelback hit a two-run homer. Uh, Vogie's been pretty good lately, so um, good to see. He went one for two with uh, the two-run homer and a couple of walks. And look, the Mets were so close in that ninth inning. I really thought for a second – are they going to steal this series? Oh, Vogelback walks, uh, so that put a runner on first. What was funny is they had a lefty in uh, in the previous inning, and it was A.J. Minter. Because it was left on left, Vogelback was you know, supposed to be due up next when Pete Alonso came up to the plate. He popped out uh, to end that inning. But the funny thing is, if Alonso got on base, Tim actually it wasn't Tim LaCrasher, it was Danny Mendick, was going to hit for Vogelback. Then they go to Iglesias in the ninth, and suddenly Vogelback gets the hit, and he promptly draws the walk. Tim LaCastro comes in to pinch run. EJ Stewart, sharp single, puts a couple of runners on. And then, unfortunately, uh, Francisco Alvarez, who had an abysmal game, I might add. I mean, man, he looked like a disaster behind the dish. Turn. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if that was just um, nerves against the Braves or if that was just not connecting with McGill. But, man, there was a lot of, you know, balls that were getting by him and, and just balls that he wasn't even catching. It was, it was a weird day. Um, and he hits into a double play that just killed the rally. But um, if he didn't, you know, if there was a chance for a little double steal with Tim LaCastro, uh, maybe the Mets could have tied that game and made it interesting. But uh, Alvarez does the one thing he can't do. He hits a sharp ground ball to third base, which cuts off the lead runner and he gets thrown out at first. And there was two outs and Ortega grounded out. And that was the ball game. But, Thought the Mets showed some fight, and um, yeah, I'm excited to watch the final game of this series with Jose Quintana on the mound. Uh, not to say the Mets are definitely going to win the series. I certainly, if I still was a betting man and had to just pick game for my life, which team am I uh, going to believe is going to win on Wednesday? It's still the Braves, obviously. They're the better team, but the Mets have hung with them over the last these last couple of days, and they got their second-best starter on the mound uh, going up against Charlie Morton. So should be a fun final game of the series. Now, before we close, I just want to address the Pete Alonso story because it has um, taken a life of its own already. The Athletic 
had a very clickbaity title, I would say. Um, you know, they were you know, sending out the the uh, quote from a brewer source that a trade was in field goal range for Pete Alonso at the deadline. Then that source completely contradicted it, said that they would not categorize it as close. It's interesting because that, that shows you the Mets were maybe entertaining Pete Alonso trade offers more than you might have expected. Do I think Pete Alonso gets traded this offseason? Absolutely not. Do I take any stock in this rumor? Absolutely not. Because, you know, believe what you want. The Mets are going to try to win next year. They might not, you know, outspend everyone in free agency, but they're going to put together a quality team. And you're not replacing Pete Alonso in free agency or in another trade. You're just not doing it. And the value you're going to get for Pete Alonzo going into the season compared to what you would get for him as a rental bat at the deadline next year, that would be the one time that he could get moved. If the Mets go into next season, they try to win again, and they fall flat on their face again, maybe Pete Alonzo is traded at the deadline before he hits free agency. Maybe. But I honestly think that shopping him this year was just to gauge the market, to get a sense of it. And if some team really did put together the Juan Soto light offer, which no one was going to do, which is why he was never going to get traded. But if someone wanted them some Pete Alonso that bad, yes, he might have been moved because the Mets might have just looking at looked at the overvalue of prospects they were getting back in return and decided to pull the trigger. I, I really think that they're going to build with Pete Alonzo, not use him to, to build their team uh, in a trade. I imagine extension gets done. I, I, that's still what I think happens. If not, it's playing it out because they believe that they'll be able to sign him when he becomes a free agent. Um, so we'll see how it all ends up panning out, but I would not overreact and believe that all of a sudden Pete Alonzo is definitely getting moved this offseason because they – maybe took the phone calls coming in on him at the deadline. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of a locked on Mets. Uh, tomorrow's show going to uh, focus on, on Kodai Senga a little bit. Of course, we'll you know finish recapping this series uh, against the Braves, but I want to look at Senga's season, how he can be the Mets ace moving forward, and how he can be a key recruiter to help lengthen out this rotation uh, in the coming year. So, Make sure you tune into that for all you everydayers. Uh, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. If you want to catch every pitch in the Mets Hometown Broadcast, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.